with the uh, the understanding that this episode takes place on Shuttlepod One, mm. why is the episode not called Shuttlepod Two? Isn't that more appropriate? Put them on Shuttlepod Two to have. Doesn't that make sense when there's two people in your in your episode that you would call it Shuttlepod Two? Oh, yeah, I guess <laughs> I think they should have called it. Uh, how angry can two men get when they can't go to the bathroom for 10 days? Two, two angry men. It's the Star Trek riff on 12 angry men. I'm, I don't know why. It's, I, maybe I'm alone in this, obviously, judging by your reaction there. But the shuttle pod 2 seems to make yeah. more sense than just shuttle no, pod 1. It. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that, would be, that would be fine, I guess. Shuttle pod 1 is getting a lot of play in this series, too. I think every time they've taken the shuttle out, it's shuttle pod 1. I don't know how many they, they actually have. Maybe it's just the single, the single shuttle pod. Um, but the shuttle pods are a big part of the series. I think there's only been one episode that hasn't had a shuttle pod. But a little they bit should, of trivia. Uh, they should do it like um, they talk about shuttle pod 2, but you never see it. So you always hear about the crazy shit that shuttle pod 2 does. Chef is always going to get pineapples yeah, with it or exactly, something like that. Exactly. A um, little bit of trivia for you. This is the only episode of Star Trek across all the series with no stunt doubles and no guest background characters. Okay. On, the only people in this episode are the main cast members. And uh, mm. Travis is not in it. He's just overheard on the comm at one point, but he's not actually in it. And they are putting on an acting tour de force. Tour de force. I'm I'm surprised this is the first one that has no background extras in it. I feel like that's... If you're doing a lot of bottle episodes, I feel you must occasionally run into an episode where that wouldn't be the case. But it's just... That's a surprising little bit of trivia for me that there's no one uh, there's no one just walking around in the background not saying anything. Um, yeah. Saving some cash, I guess. Let's take a break. We'll play a quote from the episode and then we'll come back and we'll break down Shuttlepod 1. Which way? Which way to what? Echo 3. Which way to Echo 3? I told you, it's too far. Do you know which direction it is or don't you? Navigation is down. That's not what I asked you. You want me to guess? You come from a long line of Navy men and you got a real good memory. Look hard at those stars, find something that looks familiar, and tell me which way to go. Sir? That's an order! All right, so Shuttlepod 1 is the 16th episode of the first season, aired on February 13th, 2002. Written by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga. Directed by David Livingston. The in-universe date is November 9th, 2151. They're coming up on Thanksgiving. In this episode, while investigating an asteroid field, Tucker and Reed are convinced that the Enterprise has been destroyed and they try to face their own oncoming deaths. One big problem that I have here, I, I don't even know how much it affects the, the episode. I hate how after the cold open, you have a scene with Archer <laughs> explaining, we're still alive, everyone. Don't worry. That bit of the ship that fell off and that those guys saw is fine. We're fine. The ship isn't fine. <laughs> Don't yeah. it felt like such a studio note that was like, you know, the idiot uh, suit executive who's like, I don't want the audience to actually think that the Enterprise is destroyed. Can we do something early to make sure that people are like rest easy and know that everything is going to be okay? Uh, I don't. I feel like you you could build this episode around the forty five minutes of just those two guys, except for the end where the Enterprise comes back and kind of explains you know what happened why they were delayed or something like that um this is this is the star trek equivalent of when uh homer goes to pick up bart from the box the box factory and he sees bart's red hat on top of a box and he thinks that his son was turned into a box right (laughs) i um i give it a little bit of credit because there's a couple things going on there so 
the other alien ship that caused this problem is the wreckage that they're looking at, right? And the mm-hmm. the scanners aren't working for a very convenient reason, so they can't actually tell what it is. And then they see the little piece that says the one because that fell off the Enterprise, and they go, well, it must be the Enterprise. Um, when uh, when planes crash in the ocean and they find like a single bit of an armrest from one of the ch- – and they can identify that that's the plane, I don't think anyone ever goes – that plane is probably still fine. That's probably that right. plane is that plane right. is probably okay at this point. You you I think you know at that point something gone horribly wrong. Uh yeah. I um so just to get this out of the way, I thought this was a finely made episode, but I think I hated this episode. No, interesting. I uh, I'm probably yeah. the exact opposite reaction. I I thought it was fine, but I wished it was I wished it was more to it. Um it didn't really well, yeah, leave me I to mean, hate that- is part of part what of I don't like about it. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was. I thought it took a step in the the right direction, as opposed to not enough of a step where it got me frustrated. It was it was more like a, like oh that it would have been nice if this was more about something, but what we got was fine. I think. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't care for it. Didn't like it. it. Uh, I thought i I thought the cold open was uh, a little too was ended up being deceiving. Um, I actually liked the cold open because I thought it was going to be one of those weird episodes where the ship is blown up, but then it's not like so. that. Plus the fact that they cut back to Archer and to Paul talking about micro singularities. Mm-hmm. I thought there was going to be some sort of interesting thing going on other than a piece of the ship fell off and landed on this uh, precariously among this other wreckage. Yep. Um, and everything that they did on the enterprise was incredibly boring and it was just them talking about the same stuff and everything they did on the shuttle pod was i found incredibly boring and it was just them talking about the same stuff yep i didn't find there to be anything particularly novel or interesting about this that i haven't seen in a million other things it featured terrible cold acting and terrible drunk acting although i think it actually was pretty cold there because i don't think they were faking that breath oh yeah that's Um, yeah yeah didn't even think about it and then uh, when they when rescue finally comes, they don't bat an eye for a second that the Enterprise is all of a sudden not destroyed. Mm-hmm. They just go up. Oh, yep, it's Hoshi. They're fine. Everybody's fine. We're going to be fine. Or well, whatever. They, they they don't they don't question for a second the fact that the Enterprise is not destroyed. You're talking about when um, they get that that message to say to rendezvous in two days or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then when they are picked up at the end. Uh, <laughs> he's like what happened and Archer's like eh, don't worry about it and that's the end of the episode yeah it uh I don't know it just I I understand what they were doing it was fine like I said it was finely made but I just it was not for me so would you would you say that your biggest problem with it what like what would you say is the big like what what's the one thing that they could have fixed in order for this to be a good episode for you um <clears throat> I would have done something more interesting with the crew on the Enterprise. Um, like, they didn't even realize that the guys were missing or anything, which I guess is part of the point. But uh, And this stuff, just they kept having the same argument on, on the shuttle pod. Yeah. It was like five scenes of the exact same thing. Yeah. I- and I just, I, I didn't. You're putting these two characters together in this sort of odd couple situation, but they just keep arguing over the same stuff. Yeah. And it's, 
I'm not learning really much about either one of them other than one of them is a cynic and one of them is an optimist. And yeah. then they butt heads over that one thing for 40 minutes. But then it reverses at the end in a very contrived way where Trip is like, yeah. I don't want to blow up the engine. He's like, you must blow up the engine. Um, I think the Enterprise scenes, the Enterprise scenes can be totally cut here because they're just... Oh, definitely. They're, they're just, just exposition for the audience. There's, uh, there's only two, as far as I can tell, which is the T'Pol and Archer talking about the singularity thing and then the Hoshi and Archer thing at the start where they explain why the ship is missing a piece of itself. Where they also talk about singularities. Do they at that point? Do they bring that up? I think... I don't. I just the only stuff I remember from the Enterprise is them talking about micro singularities. The, the the opening scene I think is Hoshi and Archer talking about these aliens that they picked up that you never meet, and then they have Archer looking at the outside of the ship, and you see that the hole is there that where they where Trip and okay, Reed have seen sure. that piece that fell off. To Paul and Archer get into the singularity thing, which is sort of unnecessary. Again, like I don't the I, I think that the the way that you strengthen this episode is that you really focus on read and trip and you only spend time with them and you have a better concern or a better issue that they would have between them rather than the fact that one is immediately cynical about everything and the other one is immediately optimistic that things are going to work out for it because right i think some of the scenes work i like the i like the opening scene uh where trip yells at him is like you're a navy man find me the goddamn star and <laughs> send me in that direction <laughs> i like stuff like that it's just that they're the redundancy of Reed writing letters and Trip being annoyed by it just falls flat every once in a while. And it's also one of these things where better versions of this story have a better escalation of the tensions that are going wrong. It's like they, you know, they fix the hole in the ship with mashed potatoes, which is goofy. Then it's mm-hmm. just too cold. And then the air's running out. There's, no, there's nothing really dramatically grabbing about that it's it's like it's a situation that just escalates it so that you know there's a little bit of a ticking time bomb but all the the solutions don't really cascade in an effective way i'm trying to think of a movie or something that really does set that up in a better way where it feels like things are just constantly getting worse and worse like no matter what you do and Mm -hmm. this doesn't really have that it feels like they're just kind of stuck in a room for a while with this vague sense of you only have 10 days or whatever to fix things yeah i think it's too small of a space honestly uh they, there's not it's too small of a space and they also set up right from the start that there's literally nothing they can do so mm-hmm. it kind of takes away any sort of arguing or or uh debate over what the right course of action would be other than wait to die or try to do something that might be futile yeah so it's it, it kind of limits your options a little bit as to what you can actually do unless you spend five minutes on a, a weird dream sequence. Yeah. The, we, can, <laughs> we can talk about his dream sequence. I was wondering, episodes like this are um, are fairly difficult for episodic shows like Enterprise, I think, because mm. I was thinking like, Imagine if you had if you had really well drawn characters. Where I think major the major problem here, I think, is Reed's characterization, which is still too nebulous to really pin down and make like a story out of it of what he would mm-hmm. conflict with Trip about. But mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, say you did an episode like this on DS Nine, and you have like Quark and Odo together, which is kind of the episode, the ascent that you saw where they crash on the mountain and they have to survive uh, climbing sure. up to the mountain. 
Yeah, they still episode. they still don't spend the entire forty five minutes with each other because even two well drawn, strongly contrasted characters like that have only very little to say to each other after a certain point. So you spend half the episode <coughs> waiting for them to crash, and then they crash, and then you have twenty minutes of them sort of revealing what they're thinking or what they think about each other. Here, I think that Reed and Trip are neither one of them are drawn as sharply as Quark or Odo are. And they also spend right. the entire 45 minutes with each other. So it's really struggling to find anything that it wants to do between the two of those. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and the conversations that they do have aren't really – I don't find them substantial as far as – yeah, the, the, the characters are not uh, drawn well enough for to put them really in a situation where their ideologies are clashing because you don't really know what the hell their ideologies are. Right. In a serialized so story, have, it would be their histories, sort of. Like, there, there's a there's a sure. background to these characters that you recognize at that point, and so you understand why putting them together would lead to certain conclusions. But these guys just have... They have a characterization that can allow for it to be inserted into an episodic episode, but when you just try to build the episode around that, it feels like it's empty. It doesn't feel like there's really a conflict between the two of them that couldn't be sorted, like... Honestly, the conflict here is almost like Reed being so um, dismissive of his commanding officer in this situation. Like, I was surprised mm-hmm. that Trip is kind of okay with this guy just telling him, like, no, I don't want to do any of this stuff. I, I felt like there's more around that. But Reed's character is just so unknown that it kind of ties into the pineapple thing. When he's writing these letters to these women that I'm not sure really exist, when, he, when he's doing this... <laughs> I, I feel he's just like, writing them and then hitting delete when he's done just to make it seem <laughs> like he's got a lot of ladies back in San Francisco. I think he also said that like three or four of them are on the Enterprise, which is he's working his way through the Enterprise crew as this is going on. Is, I think he I think he says that at some point. Is that what he says? I think he mentioned San Francisco early and then later on he mentions uh, there's he's like Danielle and Rachel on the Enterprise and all that this stuff like that. Oh, I can't remember. That sounds vaguely familiar. So I think he's, either, I, either way. He's, the, the thing there is that Reed, being the mystery box of a character that he is, the things that they hint at what he's talking about are actually more interesting than the fact that he's writing a letter to these people that's all kind of the same, you know? My, mystery box is giving his character way more credit than it deserves because yeah. that, that implies that you actually want to know. You have <laughs> there's something about him that is intriguing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, – I think – in retrospect, though I said I liked the cold open because I thought it set up an interesting mystery, I think it's wasted now knowing what this episode was became because I feel like you could have used that to – if you're going to do an episode like this in an in a episodic show without that serialized uh, support that you're talking about character-wise, then you should use that setup to establish some sort of uh, – contrast between your two characters other than one of them wish one of them thinks europeans are really smart and americans are dumb yeah and the other one's like actually superman's really complicated yeah you know it's, <laughs> it's like i i think i think you could do more you don't have to have them like yelling at each other or anything but i think you could do more to establish their points of view um other than talk about something i think that's what they were trying to do but the stuff that they ultimately talk about really doesn't have any thematic bearing on the stuff they talk about later it's not like it's not like you can you can listen to uh malcolm wax poetic about the european 
intelligence and listen to Trip talk about uh, the ingenuity of Superman yeah. and, and get an idea of what the, co- the difference between these characters will be if they are put into a situation where they're going to die in 10, hour, 10 days and there's nothing they can do about it. I wonder if the, uh, the European-American conflict felt very of the zeitgeist in the early 2000s. Like This is like the Freedom Fries era. Um, sure. And I was wondering if, they, if, the, if when this was written and produced, they thought that that had actually more meat to it than it really does at this point where no one really cares about eh, that at this eh, point that's, that's possible because uh, eh, it was just, it, it just struck me as such a such a dated feeling for a show to have like i it maybe works on enterprise but it, it struck me as a very 9-11 ish type attitude to have like the europeans think this but the americans think this and this is a big difference well it, that aside w- let's assume that they weren't doing that i think the what they're trying to establish is that Malcolm is uh, a more refined person and Trip is a more working class, you know, fix it with your hands kind of person. And those do that is kind of what ends up happening is you've got Trip getting his hands dirty as much as possible to try and fix things, but you've also got Malcolm who is just. Um, writing letters, you know, <laughs> writing Every letters aristocratic like, like he's yeah, like he's Lord Byron or something, yeah. or Percy Shelley. Um, and, but it's like it. I don't. It, that's not an interesting enough contrast to to uh, frame forty minutes of of being stuck and floating to your death. Yeah, with, agreed. With these two characters. They. I mean, I'm honestly now. If one of them had a gun. Now we're talking. <laughs> That's what you established in the cold open. There's a phaser yes. under the under the chair. The uh, no, not a phaser, a gun. A gun, a, a real old timey. Uh, use your hands to fix it up. The mm-hmm. um, the other the other way that like I, I think I think maybe the big problem here is that the episode does fit into Enterprise's um, mentality, which I think is a braga mentality to it might be a berman thing they wrote this and they're heavily invested or they're heavily involved in this show at this point because they are the creators and they write like 20 of the 26 episodes of the first season um neither of them i think that those two can be seen as very distinct from the ira bears and ron moore's group which braga and berman to me tend to not be the the writers or the creatives on this series that really like to think about the issue that they're doing they they sort of like to have an issue that is the the structure for the episode but they're not really interested in diving into what that is like that's why braga always on tng always wrote the best sci-fi episodes you wrote cause and effect and things like that because mm. it's, it's not really an examination of what it means to relive your life over and over again it's more sure, about this is a sure. cool sci-fi episode that we're going to build and shuttle pod one for an episode that's about knowing that you're going to die, doesn't really have these characters really reflect on it beyond the fact that he's like, right. I wish I had kissed that girl in fifth grade. It's like, well, this is kind of stupid. Like, no one cares about that. Instead, it's more around them bickering with each other about what the best thing to do is. And it's less about what it would mean for these characters to be dying, like to, to how they're having a different approach towards dying. And I don't think this episode is really about that. It kind of pays lip service to it. But the, brand, the Braga and Berman group usually shy away from that stuff, I think, to their detriment. And I think that Enterprise is missing that kind of like a heart in these early episodes. Well, it's funny you say that, that 
he's responsible for more of like the high concept sci-fi things because this episode doesn't have either of those things. No, it's it, not, does, it tries with the singularity, but it doesn't amount to Yeah, anything. it's <laughs> even that it's like there's this uh legend of this thing called the micro singularity and Archer's like, "Huh? What's that?" Yeah. And Paul's like, "It's uh it's a No, tiny he knows black it. Hole. He, he knows about it. He's like, "You Vulcans don't believe in magic like the quantum singularity." Yeah, well, e- yeah. Either way, it's like this thing that seems like it's a high concept idea, but then they're kind of like, "Yeah, well, I don't know. It's a black hole. It's a tiny little yeah. black hole." Yeah. That's that's crazy. Moving on. Um, you can plug it up with your finger though. You can just <laughs> Yeah, or throw some mashed potatoes in it, you'll be fine. Uh yeah, there's there's not a high concept sci-fi angle to this, and there's also not a uh, uh, introspective uh, emotional angle to it. Outside of one of them thinks they're going to die, the other one has hope that they're not going to. You opened the episode saying that you kind of expected it to go in the harder sci-fi direction. Is that what you would prefer? Uh, given everything else in this episode playing out the way it does, yes, absolutely. Mm. I think I would be more on board with the lacking character stuff if there was a more interesting sci-fi angle to hook me. Yeah. Uh, but as it stands, it's just it's it's like saying it's like saying yeah, you put you put Trip and Malcolm in the shuttle pod. One of them thinks they're going to die. The other one has hope that they're not going to. And the rest practically writes itself. Practically is the key word there. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when you sit down and you do it, if you find yourself writing three of the same scene over and over again, uh, it does not practically write itself. You actually have to figure out what the point of this all is. Yeah, and I, I think that's the conflict here because with with these writers, I would, I would agree that I would expect a sci-fi twist to it. However... I think Enterprise as a series is about the character work. So far, definitely. That's what they're trying to do. But I think that these are not the writers who are really interested in character work at that point. So you've got this sort of mismatch between what the series creators are generally good at and what the show is trying to be. And I think this is a more Enterprise episode if the character work is better, but it's not good enough in this episode to make me want to sit back and say like, oh... This is what Enterprise is trying to do. It's trying to have like two people stuck in space and the opinions and the problems that they have are less stressed down than if this was Jean-Luc Picard and Will Riker stuck in a shuttle pod where they're right. not really going to conflict with each other. It's, that's right. the difference here. And unfortunately, the conflict is just kind of dopey. Yeah, as it started, I thought this was going to be... You know, I, I get the feeling watching this and watching discovery and even to an extent watching picard um that it's like uh it's it's like when you have a band it's like when you have a a a prominent member of a famous band starts a new band and they play me it's they're playing new music that's kind of similar to their old stuff but they're not playing just a, a, a greatest hits of their old stuff yep every now and then when they're playing their show, maybe three or four, three or four songs in, they got to throw in one of the hits. Yeah, they got to throw in one of the hits to, to so everybody goes, "Oh, yeah, that's what I love." Okay, back to this other stuff. I feel like the Star Trek shows have started to do that, where they've got these new things that are going on, and then Discovery will throw in uh, was it time enough to make a man go mad or whatever. Um, yeah, ma- magic to is. make a sane man go mad yeah, or something. Sure, whatever. 
uh, <laughs> um, where that's like, oh, that's a, it's literally, almost literally a, a, a remake of uh, Cause and Effect, but it's like, it's, that feels like, oh, they're just doing a straight ahead, this is a, a greatest hits kind of Star Trek episode. Picard has a, a similar one in there, I can't remember exactly which one it is, but it's like, it's probably the, the Riker and Troy one where it's like, oh yeah, this feels like what I what I'm, uh, remember. I thought that's what this episode was going to be. I thought this was going to be Enterprise taking a, taking a second to do like a greatest hits type Star Trek episode. Yeah. And it ended up not doing that. And I don't I don't want people to think that I didn't like it because it didn't do that and because it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. What it turned out to be, I didn't think was good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <is the> <laughs> Cuz I I think this episode is the closest to The Ascent, which is the Odo and the Quark episode. Sure. I th- I'm sure. sure there are a handful of other episodes where characters get stuck with each other to, to do something. Um, it works better in certain series, obviously. I, I, think that, I think that Trip is fine here. Like I, I, sort of underst- I understand Trip's outlook on things. I think that Reed is the weak point, uh, as he usually tends to be. And it's also... It's yet another it's another episode idea that I was like I think this would work better in your second or third season really it's like you know you're, sure. you're 15 yeah. episodes in and Reed has some scene where he's talking about like I finally begin to feel like I have a family on the Enterprise and I was like I I'm still struggling to remember character names at this point so I don't yeah. really buy <laughs> that like, you're you're fully engrossed in this it just feels it's like after that statement Trip should be like I'm sorry who are you <laughs> I think he asks him what his job is in this. He might not be ironically yeah. or you, sarcastically asking. He's like, what are you? What do you even do on this ship? He's an armory officer. Yeah, I I wish it had that. I wish it had not shown us the Enterprise the entire time. I wish it had at least tried to convey the fact that maybe the Enterprise was actually destroyed in this thing. And these mm-hmm. two, you guys are, it's mildly terrifying that like you're stuck out. It's like being stuck out in the middle of the ocean on one of those rafts, sure. one of those stories. It's like you got two weeks of riding the current before you're going to see land. What, how far can you make it? Mm-hmm. I would have liked to see them try to catch uh, space sharks with their hands and eat them raw, things like that. But there's nothing. Yeah. I, that was the other thing that I found funny is when Trip, Trip is like, point us, point us towards that planet. Let's just go that way. And, and uh, Malcolm's like, I, you know, I don't really think we're going to run into anything. He's like, well, I mean, there's so many species out there. He's thinking like, <laughs> Trip starts thinking like a viewer of the show. Right. He's like, well. <laughs> the Klingons are somebody's got to find them. You can't go but 45 like, minutes without running into somebody who's warp capable at this point. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm thinking like, man, I don't think Trip really understands what the vastness of space actually means. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I guess that's that's part of his uh, uh, uncontrolled optimism, I guess. I would have liked that. I mean, I, I was trying to think of an episode uh, uh, or a movie or something. Castaway is a good example. I know I was kind mm. of like speciously making the connection there, but Castaway is a good example of like, Tom Hanks's character there, the problems just naturally build, but they get worse and worse over the course of before it does that time jump where he's 15 years in the future or whatever. Right, right. You know, it's like his tooth hurts. He can't, he figures out how to make food. He has things where he's getting, he's injuring himself trying to start a fire and stuff like that. I wish there was a little bit more of a natural build to Shuttlepod in that way that kind of was more of a, even if it was less about the characters, it doesn't to me have to be a sci-fi story. If it's about these guys struggling against an interesting script that is laying out problems for them in a way that feels like it's like, oh, how are they going to fix that? Like, oh, I didn't think that would be a problem if you're stuck on a shuttle. And unfortunately, right. it doesn't do that either, except for the fact that it gets cold. And 
you know, cold acting cold is just not a very effective thing for me. I don't, I, I can understand intellectually the characters are cold, but I don't care about it. Yeah. The, the, the cold scene and the drunk scene, uh, was just like, it, it, it felt like uh regional theater to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm, Malcolm is not a good drunk actor. No, bad with colds. Um, he's bad at acting um, inebriated or incapacitated in some sense. Yeah. But uh, speaking of Castaway, Castaway Wilson is also a more fascinating character than Malcolm is. So yeah. <laughs> that's <helps> too. <laughs> it's true. It's true. He's got more personality, got more character. A, a sadder fate, too, but we have to be led mm. to assume. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't think I have too much else left to say about this one, really. Uh, those have been my improvements. Oh, the... Uh, it continues our thing about the, you know, I, I, I can't, I just try to hold back because I don't want to be sort of a whinging hysteric about this. But the the use of T'Pol is just kind of nonsense in this yeah. series. To this, Like there, yeah. the previous episode, we complained about her rubbing up against Archer. This episode, um, <laughs> he has a, some sort of fantasy about her where... Uh, tip number one, I think when you're when you're starting to get, uh, you know, entering pound town or whatever, maybe stinky isn't the best word to keep constantly saying endlessly. It also, I know there's a lot of points in this, but I think that's well, I mean, I scene. guess it depends what your intentions are. <laughs> I think that the other thing that's about it is this again reminded me of the pineapple episode, and I don't know if this is a read runner. I can't tell. If Enterprise thinks that things are funny or not, I couldn't right. tell if the T'Pol scene was pure comedy. I think it is, but it was confusing to me in the same way that the surrealness of the pineapple scene, where people are concerned about whether or not he likes pineapple, is being taken so seriously that I can't tell if the the episode in the show is kind of laughing at this, like that mm. it thinks it's funny. I think that this is more obviously supposed to be funny, but it, I don't know if it's. I don't know how deep they think the comedy goes, but you can touch yeah, on any of those points. The 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 T'Pol scene itself was just more weird than anything else, but I did think it was legitimately funny when he wakes up and Trip goes, "Hey, wake up! You were talking about some guy named Stinky." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was that was kind of funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that scene it's a T'Pol. It's it's tough to follow up the boobs in the face episode with an with an episode where Malcolm is openly lusting for uh, her butt. Yep, you know. Just putting that together now, that he focuses in on the butt after what he says in that. I, okay, yep. never mind. Um, again, the the read the read thing of the, writing these sort of uh, letters to women that you've never really encountered. I mean, that's a running theme about this: is that the characters that, all have these women who don't exist. Those, those letters were hilarious too, because he's he's so sincere about them, and uh, and and. Uh, Trip says says something to the effect of like uh, you can't stop talking about you know Rachel's smile and he's like no Rachel had an ugly smile <laughs> but her eyes were great like he's broken these women down into just specific body parts yes, yeah. like he's got one of those things in his locker where he's he's cut off the different parts that he likes from models in a magazine and yeah. pasted this weird like Bride of Frankenstein he's, thing he's up. like Buffalo he's probably Bill a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's probably a sociopath, and he probably would. They probably would have been done better if he had died. Yeah, yeah. The the to, to, to Paul is just 
the the problem with it is just that it it only ever serves as a pointless scene with her that you know is never really going to amount to anything because all the characters yeah. kind of have this scene and it's very sorry it's it's it is very juvenile yeah in it's like it's like a kid pointing and going look at her boobs you know what i mean yeah. it's it's not it, there's nothing backing it up other than like a couple of nerds giggling over the fact that this woman has a big big boobs or, yeah. or a, a nice butt or yeah. something yeah yeah it's you just need to, you need to tie that stuff like i i there, i think there's a way that you can have a runner where to paul is kind of like the the joke or the runner is that you know this this cold-hearted vulcan logical vulcan is like the um the lusting object of all these men on the ship. It's mm-hmm. kind of, there's something kind of like funny about that and that it gives her a kind of control over it because she is the, the, there's different aspects to Vulcans that give her a sort of like a protection against that, that a human female wouldn't like she has, a, you know, Vulcans are supposed to be stronger and she doesn't really care about what people say and things like that. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't affect her personally. And, and instead it's just a, as you mentioned last time, it's just an excuse that because she doesn't feel anything, the show is like it's okay to comment on her constantly right, because you can't right. you can't bother her. So it's because she's not a she's not a real person, and we're allowed to sort of uh, objectify her this way. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do like I I do find funny your idea that well she's stronger and, and capable, so it's okay if people like assault her. Yes, <laughs> she, she she can put up a better fight. She's in the in the same way that um. She's the same way as Spock is, is that insulting him didn't mm-hmm. really bother him. And so I'm, I'm sort of translating like the, the juvenile level harassment that she gets from these guys is something that would, she would kind of like shrug off. Like she does at the end here where right. Reed is in a delirious state and he starts to think that she actually is going to act like her dream self does to him for some reason. And she's like, what the, mm-hmm. the fuck are you talking about? Um, I think he should go and get a drink with Jordy after this. I know. He'd be, he'd be suitable. Can I call you Trip? Good night, sweet friend. <laughs> I think we're done talking about ShuttlePod 1. Let's take a break. We'll play a quote from the episode. We'll come back, read some patron thoughts, give our final thoughts about ShuttlePod 1. Hey, what do you think of DePaul? Huh? I think she's pretty. DePaul? Are you serious? Well, she's a woman, you know. I think she's pretty. You've had too much to drink. <sighs> Don't tell me you've never looked at her, you know. In that way. <laughs> yeah, she's a Vulcan. Well, at least she's pretty. Oh, God. You ever noticed her bum? What? Her bum. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is patreon.com slash the Penske file. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff, including... If you're a captain tier, a special shout out here. So special thank you goes to Alec DeWolf, Andrew Sherlock, Ben Douglas, Captain Brazen, Cardinal Doomsday, Chris Tinsley, Christian Michaels, Christian Pouch, Darth Moss, David Beermore, David K, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, Eric Santuan, HH28, Jacob123, Jakey's Gamer, Joint Mango, Jordan Cooper, Kevin Lowry, Kevin Rice, Cal Barrett, Mad Courier 6, Matt Cutler, Matt Houston, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Mike Harris, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert uh, Russell Elledge, Samuel Custer, Kim Santo, Sean, Stephen Minton, Tarkle Teeth, Tom Howes, Vault 13 Hero. <gasps> Thank you very much, guys. I, I used up a day and a half of oxygen on my shuttle pod just getting through that list. Thank you very much, and on guys. Top of all, and on top of all the candles you light before every show, you're I know. Be dead in a matter of hours. It's a <laughs> <laughs> Burning bright. 
Let's get to our uh, patron that, thoughts about Shadow Pod 1. That light that you see in his face right now is all from candles. I love candles. Can't get, can't get enough scented $10 candles in this place that eventually you can't get your hand into to I, light the candle anymore. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, man. If if I was stuck on a shuttle pod, optimist or cynic, pessimist, sure. Cynic. There we go. Optimist or cynic. If the other guy who was there pulled out a fucking Yankee candle and lit that thing, <laughs> I would murder him on the spot. <laughs> Here's a uh, free invention for anybody. Come up with a device that will take the outside of the Yankee candle and melt it into new candles. You know how there's always, the candle oh, always burns the, down the middle because it's too wide sure, to get to the wax sure. on the outside? Yeah. If you could do something with that husk of a candle, I think that you're in good shape. Can you put it in the microwave? You probably could. Yeah, I'm sure it's yeah. not very difficult, but I want like a little uh, Play-Doh kitchen set that I can just sure. pop this thing into just, and it'll give me a new candle. Scrape down the side or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's go to ShuttlePod1. There's a few comments here, so I'll try to get through these. Matt Ross says, arguably the most desperate situation is making for a good story in the ShuttlePod. Why would you ever leave an incredibly fragile and limited range ship out on its own? Still boggles my mind. Archer, you could have called or went to pick the ShuttlePod up right after whatever happened. The wreckage that Trip and Reed find I always explain away is it looks like a big crash, never thinking to actually look at the size of the debris. The shuttle's hull breaking, the lack of long-term supplies and oxygen only further explains why Archer is not the best captain and not going back immediately. This extreme of Reed and his numerous love letters show that the pineapple works on making him sweet. As Stinky and Trip begin to lose it, you can see the odd couple of Trip's optimism and Reed's pessimism grade on each other. T'Pol does have a nice bum. The solution to give the Enterprise's attention is good, but worse when you think that they're not answering hails is, uh, is not a sign of urgency to Archer. We cycle back to the Enterprise, which is worried about a door, and oh yeah, a space thing caused a problem. Hmm. We should test for that. Now, what are we forgetting? Oh yeah, the shuttle. Well, at least they found that at the last minute. I was, I was kind of expecting in that scene... When Malcolm is like, have you ever noticed T'Pol has a nice bum for Trip to be like, oh, honestly, I just can't stop looking at her boobs. <laughs> like that's the that's where I thought it, it's the height of, of the writing that they've been doing around her. Clay, the original pitch, he's an ass man. He's a tits man. Put them together in one room. <laughs> what are they going to talk about? Well, see, at least that you've got to... <laughs> You could get a story out of that. <laughs> 45 minutes of Emmy award-winning television or he's like, Listen. And they both come together when they agree that her pointed ears are weird. Yeah. <laughs> they both convince each other that touchingly her heart and her, her intellect is what really truly matters in all things. You Two go, men wow. bonding over degrading a woman. Mm-hmm. Height that's, of television right that's there. That's the subtitle of this podcast originally. <laughs> Point X G says, whenever the cold open starts with a main character is dead or the Enterprise is blown up, you're never going to get anyone to believe that. They wisely tell us what is up right at the start of Act 1. This isn't a mystery about what happened to the ship. It's about two men fighting to stay alive. These types of stories can be some of the most popular when done right. This one is done adequately. The extremes of Tripp's optimism and Malcolm's pessimism is a bit overblown, but that is typical for TV and movie drama. They fight, they bicker. They eventually start to work together more. It looks like help is coming, but then there's a turn in the narrative and more for them to struggle against. I like this one. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I disagree with that. I, I agree with what you're saying, Wes. I think not not knowing the fate of the ship heightens 
the other stuff that's going on with the heightens the trip and and uh and malcolm stuff if it's all you because, even in a limited way if it's all that you're focusing on is how are these guys going to like find salvation basically how are they going mm-hmm. even if they find the enterprise it's about how do they get to that point of finding themselves because what it is here is their journey is just aimless drifting right you know they're going somewhere right. but they're not fast enough to get anywhere so it's really they just might as well stay in the same spot the whole time yeah yeah and and also you 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 do I, i'm still shocked that there was no uh confusion or 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 anything like that when they discover that the enterprise has not been destroyed yeah so i, I feel like not revealing that till the end well sure you're expecting it to not to the enterprise to not be destroyed it just focuses you so much more on these two guys and kind of i think kind of forces you to tell a better story with them yeah um, instead of just sort of recycling the same scenes over and over. I'd agree. Captain Brazen says, We now return to our feature presentation, The Odd Couple in Space, starring Charles Tucker III and Malcolm Reed, one of my favorite episodes of the season and a decent character for both character story for both Malcolm and Tripp. First things first, they're thinking that the Enterprise is destroyed based on the partially destroyed launch bay door and a very small debris field that doesn't match the mass of the ship is quite quick and odd. Tripp is so overly optimistic in, about possibilities that he could return that he could have suggested staying to wait for the possibly not destroyed ship to return, while the overwhelmingly pessimistic Reed drinks himself drunk or jumps out of the airlock. Speaking of Malcolm, his dream about T'Pol is odd, especially asking to be called Stinky, but couldn't he just rather dream about eating all the pineapple that he can? Come on, Malcolm, we all know that where, that's where your heart lies. Maybe Malcolm feels like he's only opened up to the crew because they're the only ones who have given him pineapple, which is the key to his heart. That all aside, the actors have a great chemistry together, and they make this episode work for well from the beginning to the rear end. To Paul's bum, that is. <laughs> I, I read a recent article that both Connor Trenier and Dominic Cadings found this episode to be one of their favorites as both friends and professionals, and it certainly shows. Four cute Vulcan bums out of five. Berman so said this is I, one of his favorite episodes, which is interesting to me. Yeah, I, I, mean, I get it. I uh, I was just thinking about the pineapple thing, though. Like, I think it sums up the way that we and the listeners have talked about Malcolm sums up his character, which is it's like that thing where you don't know what to get someone for their birthday. And then offhandedly, they say, actually, kind of like owls. Right. And then every single person who knows them only buys them owls because it's the only thing that they know about them. There's only so that's many owl if, things on Etsy. So you're going right. to start doubling up. That's what it feels like with Malcolm, where it's like the literally the only thing we know about him is that he likes pineapple. He probably like only kind of thinks it's pretty good. Mm. It's my it's his favorite, sure, but what does that even really mean? Right. It's <laughs> probably not his favorite that it's the one thing that he lusts after. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting because his 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 character trait is that he's hard to know, right? So. Mm-hmm. What that does is that ends up on you sticking with the pineapple thing because a character trait of not knowing something is not good enough to grab onto for a character. You actually have to know something about a character right. before you can say anything about them. Um, right. The mystery, as you're saying, is not really good enough to be called a mystery. It's just he has no definition to himself. And I, I, I think Kyle or someone had mentioned before, I think he's a poor actor for the choice of what this character is supposed to be, I think. I don't think he's the right, I don't think he's the right actor for this character. In a lot of ways, I think the character needs to be the prim and proper thing doesn't really work for me. I don't know where else you would mm-hmm. take him, but it doesn't doesn't seem like it works. His aloofness is too um, 
British, I guess, is yeah. the best way to say it. I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. But like, I, I feel like he's he's too – his aloofness isn't interesting. It's like it's a very soft aloofness, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, where I think if he was a little harder-edged um, and uh, less regal, I think maybe he, that aspect would be a little bit more interesting. I I've also like, been yeah. sitting here trying to remember what the Odd Couple theme song is, but I can only think of the, pad, the theme from the Patty Duke show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's driving me nuts. I can't, I'm looking forward to at least one or two people linking me the Odd Couple show after, after this comes out. Don't get us uh, copyright claimed by singing either song, I don't think. What was I mm-hmm. going to say? Mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. Malcolm's, mm-hmm. Mal- <laughs> Malcolm's aloofness is... Um, I only know he's aloof because other people tell me that he is. And if you hadn't told me, I wouldn't right. be like, that's an aloof character that you've got right there. Like, he's, he's clearly aloof. Yeah, like in the pineapple episode, the conversation he has with Hoshi at dinner doesn't seem like someone who's just, ooh, how come no one knows you, Malcolm? He's right. like, I'm, I'm, having di- I'm, reading, I'm reading the newspaper. What do you want from me at this yeah. moment? No, he interacts fine with people. So yeah. to tell yeah. me that he is distant from them is artificial to the character like it's artificial it's all artificial but it's artificial in the sense that you have you have to have a character come up and say this to me because i can't get it from his actions right um semi custer says one of my favorite personal favorites what set out to be a bottle show a low budget episode meant to provide more budget for future episodes ended up providing the platform for a great character work between malcolm and tucker an interesting national divide at the beginning british versus americans although jokingly shows we were still far from the days of a truly united federation and no internal conflict between crew members end quotes additionally dominic Cading has regarded this as his favorite episode rick berman also stated that this is the episode he's most proud of producing Episode makes me wonder what a recut would be like where we don't discover the Enterprise is fine until closer to the end. Also, I can't wait for the day that microwaves cook a meal in less than five seconds. A toast to Subcommander T'Pol's awfully nice bum. That's true. Bottoms up. Face down. Latte uh, Lamprarian. Shuttlepod 1, Trip and Reed are no Bashir and O'Brien, but it was mildly entertaining to watch them bicker. Stinky is a terrible sexy nickname. I hope that never gets brought up again. Three out of five. I have to. I, I assume that was the point. Yeah, I assume that was the point. Is that it was supposed to be just really weird? And, it's the, and dream, it's referencing dream the human, logic. Yeah, it's referencing the human stink, right? That Paul always complains about. Oh, that's well, what I didn't I, even think of that. That's I what I it think was, it is. Oh, I just thought it was a uh, just a weird dream logic word. Like he could have said rutabaga, and yeah. it had the same effect. Oh, yeah, I think it's that, I think it's that weird runner that the show thinks it's funny that humans smell to Vulcans. I think that's even weirder than Vol Thirteen Hero. It's the not so odd couple in space. Good old Stinky and Tripper in a standard stuck in the shuttlecraft story with a small twist that they think the Enterprise has been destroyed, or maybe that story has been done before too. In any case, Malcolm being Debbie Downer is, I guess, understandable, and Trip manages to be the optimist without being annoying. I can't say the same for Malcolm. His shtick gets pretty old pretty fast. The B-plot on Enterprise is completely forgettable, but at least Trip getting pissed off at Malcolm is still pretty entertaining. Only thing that could have made this better, or worse, would be to add Mayweather to the shuttle pod, but for him to be sleeping in another small compartment, and Trip and Malcolm completely forget he's there until they're rescued, and Mayweather wakes up, rubs his eyes, and says, what a great space nap. Boy, it's cold in here. Three bottles of Kentucky bourbon out of five. I actually wouldn't have... That would be fi- I'd be fine with that. That would be kind of fun. No. <laughs> it would be a good joke. 
Stefan Minton, so I timed it. They spend almost two minutes talking about nothing but their choice of food, and I don't mean that as a criticism. After the relentless pace of Disco and Picard that they put us through these last couple of years, it's nice to be remembered of the fact that Star Trek can be quite good at small character-driven stories when it wants to be. As far as Enterprise is concerned, so far, the character-driven episodes tend to be more satisfying than the plot-driven entries. I think that that tends to be true of all Star Trek, although I'm not sure why that is. The episode does have some annoying parts, most notably because of the, sh- the show's insistence on having every male member of the crew have their own sexy T'Pol moment. At this rate, I fully expect Mayweather to mud-wrestle with T'Pol in the next week's episode. But all in all, I did enjoy this one. Four tiny black holes out of five. All the sonic showers are broken. There's only one working, and we both have to be on the bridge in ten minutes. What are we going to do? The, the conflict. It writes itself. Cal Barrett says, I guess we'll just have to sonic shower together, Mayweather. <laughs> it's only logical it's only logical it's only logical that you soap up my sudsy bosom uh kyle Barrett says i'm a sucker for isn't that a i think it's a south park joke uh, with the uh south park did an episode where they kind of riffed on the heavy metal movie Remember that oh, animated yes. movie? Yeah, I think great they... episode. That was a good episode, yeah. <laughs> I'm a sucker for bottle episodes, and this is a strong character-focused installment that I find oddly rewatchable. The only big problem is the terrible dream sequence, which makes DePaul nothing but a sex fantasy. And Reed repeatedly saying stinky like that is so goddamn cringy. But everything in the pod itself is great. However, there's no way Malcolm ever took a ride in a rowboat with all those women. You can tell that they're just <laughs> beards used to hide his true sexuality and that he's hardly that charming. Trust me, a British accent and pineapple-flavored cum will only get you so far. I'm not sure even read his English because he says math instead of maths. The only British oh, thing about boy. him is his teeth. But anyway, enough tangents. It's a good episode and a four out of five. Man, spitting, spitting truths at us here. You you can't swallow the truth here, Clay. Yeah, yeah apparently not. <laughs> this is our this is our bluest uh, bluest show yet, and it's uh, for the unsexiest Star Trek show of all time. Darth Mosk says, "Shuttlepod one, can we blame twenty twenty on micro singularities?" If only I don't know what they do. Do they, do they ever talk about what that what that is? They put like, they put bullet, I, I, the micro singularities are what caused the ship to explode at the start that the Enterprise rescues, and I guess it's just like getting shot with tiny bullets through the ship. <laughs> okay, that's that, that's it's just the it's the it's the needlessly science sci-fi solu- uh, explanation for a ship being in trouble, sort of mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, Benjamin Espinosa with the last comment. Essentially a two-person play, DS9 was great at these with waltz and duet, being prime examples of how to do the format right. Why doesn't this one work? Because we all know this is a fruitless exercise. We know they're going to be rescued, and so all the tension the script tries to build becomes annoying and frustrating. How many times is Trek going to use the jettison the core and blow it up solution? This kind of episode was way too common in the Bron- Brandon... In the Brandon... Br- or Berman, I think he <laughs> put a dash between their names. In the Berman and Braga era Trek, and it killed the franchise for a while. Only funny part was the shaving bits and the fact that we learned Trip's Ruby was a floozy, one micro singularity out of five. I, that's another, like, that just feels in a better show, the Ruby thing would have been a scene of debate between the two of them. Instead, it's, he's like, oh man, I was, I was with a woman named Ruby. And he's like, Ruby? He's like, you know Ruby? He's like, yeah, I had, I had sex with Ruby a bunch of times. He's like, jeez. And then he goes back to fixing the thing. It's like, well, why? Why, why bring that up? It's, I think it's another thing of what Enterprise thinks is funny, and it's, it's not particularly funny, but they, they think it's a good joke. Thank you, Benjamin. Yeah. That's it. Clay, what are you going to give this one on a scale of one to five? Um, I, I, 
Yeah, I don't know. This is a tough one because, like I said, it's I can fine feel Enterprise killing you uh, slowly. No, overall, I've actually liked the show. I mean, like, I don't, I didn't hate this episode. I just didn't care for it. It, I, I if it, it felt like, I don't know. I personally, it's it's probably a three, but personally, I think I'm going to give it a two. Okay, I'll give it. Everybody else seems to enjoy it, which is that's great. Mm. I'm, I'm glad you. I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. But it, it this just wasn't for for what they were trying to do. It it didn't it didn't land for me. Yeah i I think I'll give it a three. I think I I, I liked it better than Sleeping Dogs and stuff like that, which I would give it to. I do respect the idea. The execution execution is not great, excuse me, but the mm-hmm. I like the idea of being stuck in a shuttle with the two characters. I wish the episode was better, but it wasn't catastrophic enough where I was like, well, that was just that was really just kind of silly. Um I'll give it a three. Have we think it's have we given any ones yet? No. Not any ones. No fives. Uh, you gave a five, actually. I have not given a one. Neither of us have given a one. I believe you're referring to my retroactive six. That's right. You retroactively yes. gave Dear Doctor a six. I'm going to retroactively give it a four. So we equal out to not being any different <laughs> in total scoring. But at least my heart feels like it's in the right place. I am. Um, no, we haven't given any ones. Off the top of your head, what's the worst episode so far? Uh. Was it the last one? Was the last one Sleeping Dogs? Sleeping Dogs. Sleeping Dogs sticks out at me as the worst one so far. Yeah, I think probably that one. Because there's a... We said said it on one of the shows. I think we said this is the worst one so far. I don't remember which one it was, though. There was Civilization. That one was fine. I'm not going to go through them now. But I I think that that's, that's kind of the thing, is that the Enterprise is just a steady flow of the same thing, Mm. you know, which is... I. Sorry, go ahead. It's not. I remember the good episodes of this one, I think, but the bad episodes are all just definitely mixing together to me, where I don't, I don't really remember them all that separately from each other. Yeah, I think the biggest problem with this show for me so far is that all of the episodes are fine for the most part, but I can't think of one. I can't. I, I I'm having trouble thinking back on any of them where I'd go. I'd like to watch that again. Yeah. You know, even the good ones, it's like, eh, I don't know. I don't yeah, not even not seek out, even not not saying that. Like, <laughs> I don't want to watch it right now. But if like in two years, like I'm not, I don't have a list yet of an Enterprise episode. Right. Be like, oh, I'll come back to that and be like, that's a that's a solid Enterprise episode. Dear Doctor is, Dear Doctor is good, uh, but yeah. it's not like topping it's the, the list of all time Star Trek episodes for me. No, 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 no. That's definitely the closest one where I'd be like, yeah, I would, I might go back and watch that again, or if if. Uh, if yeah, if I felt in the mood to revisit Enterprise, I would definitely revisit that one. Yeah. All right, we're done. Thank you, patrons, for commenting on Shuttle Pod One. We gave it a three. I gave it a three. Clay gave it a two. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Patreon.com slash the Penske File if you want to support the show there. Otherwise, social links are all down below. It's the Penske slash links. It'll bring you to everything that we got. You can check that out. I think that's it. Clay, you have any news? Uh, we had a new Rotten Horror Picture Show come out last week. We were talking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think. It's right. Is that right? Yeah, When this comes yeah, out Monday. Right. No, it hasn't come out yet, right? Oh, I'm, shit. No, House of the Devil. House that's of the what devil. it was. <laughs> House of the Devil. Texas Chainsaw is the next one. House of, House of the Devil just came out. This week is the return of the Badass Podcast yes. with uh, me and Sean. 
and then the following week will be Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So we're kind of doing an every other week thing between those two shows. What are the uh, Batman episodes themselves? Uh, it is the first two episodes of what is the home video release season three, which are uh, Shadow of the Bat part one and two. It's the introduction of uh, Batgirl. Oh. oh, really? Yeah, it's good stuff. Good episodes. Yeah. She hasn't been there yet? No, Bar- Barbara Gordon has Bar- shown Barbara up. Barbara Gordon, I think that's in what I'm thinking of. Okay. One or maybe two episodes. Gotcha. But Batgirl has not shown up yet. Gotcha. Okay, I, I was thinking of uh, Miss Gordon. All right, guys, thank you very much for listening. Check out the other shows, and uh, we'll be back with the next episode, which I think is Fusion. Let me click on this and make sure it is. It is. It's Fusion. So, Enterprise continues. Let us know what you thought about ShuttlePod One, where we went wrong, where we went right, and otherwise, I think that's it. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.